Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,366. This week on Cars Yeah, we're celebrating the Pebble Beach Concours de Elegance. It takes place on Sunday, August 20th at the Lodge in beautiful Pebble Beach. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm back across the pond in Oxfordshire, UK, with a very special guest by the name of Amanda Stretton. Amanda, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Oh, I'm ready. Born ready. All right, cool. We're going to have some fun here. Now, before we get into this new role you have, which I'm very excited about, I wonder if you share, and being a personality, as you are over there in the UK and around the world, what's one little thing that people don't know about Amanda Stretton? I make my own bread. Well, cool. (laughs) I've been making my own bread for about 10 years now and haven't bought a loaf since. Well, do you have a special kind of bread you like to make? I do. Yeah, I I actually was getting a bread making course. The one thing I think people don't know about me is I love to cook. I'm actually, I love my food. I love cooking. I love eating. Um, And uh, 10 years ago, my friends bought me a bread making course for my birthday. And I have been making sourdough ever since with my same leaven. Ooh, I like that. Well, we've got some of that uh, growing in our refrigerator that our next door neighbor gave us. He makes loaves of bread every week and loves to experiment and lets us taste all the tasty bread. Yeah. So much fun. Oh, very cool. I love it. Well, let me give you an introduction and we're going to dive into not only what you've been doing in your life around the world of automobiles, but also this new role. Amanda Stretton is the new Master of Ceremonies at the 2023 Pebble Beach Concours. The elegance. Amanda is UK's leading female motorsports classic car and automotive TV broadcaster. She is renowned for her passion and knowledge of contemporary and classic racing cars and her understanding of the international car industry. But Amanda is more than a presenter. Unlike her peers, she has actually raced competitively in historic GT and Le Mans prototypes on the world's most famous racetracks and is still the only British female racing driver to have won an international long-distance GT race. That's cool. She is also a leading automotive journalist and is regularly to be found on the TV breakfast show Sofas, hopefully while you're eating some of her delicious bread, providing insightful comment and opinion on all aspects of automotive industry. Amanda takes over for Derek Hill, who's been uh, in that role for the past eight years. So you've got some big shoes to fill, but no doubt you're going to do just fine. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our valued sponsors. So please give them a little love. They keep the petrol in the tanks here and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner 
that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Lipson? the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States. That's right. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars Yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars Yeah! every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique in very personal way, well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyad.com or through the website at carsyad.com today to learn more. So, Amanda, uh, I want to first start with this career you've had. My goodness, you have been a very busy lady at the track and on the track. So take us back in time because I understand you started racing motocross bikes when you were just 13. That's right. Yeah, I think uh, it's fair to say my career has never been linear. I've been incredibly lucky throughout my career that I have been in the right place at the right time, particularly at a time where women were being encouraged into the world of motorsport. And so opportunities that I could never even have imagined, I could never have aspired to actually came up and were available to me. Um, But you're right. I started racing motorbikes, motocross bikes when I was 13. Unfortunately, that career was very short-lived, so I am not a motocross <laughs> rider. I realized very quickly that it hurts a lot. To crash? When <laughs> yeah. When yeah. you come off those bikes, it hurts a lot. Yep. And I realized soon that actually I think cars were probably going to be my thing, not bikes. But I had to wait until I was 17, and I got my driver's license. My mother said, over my dead body, are you going to become a grease monkey? Um, We haven't spent all this money on your education for you you to go down that route. So I had to wait until I was 17. And that's when I started racing cars. And from there, I had the opportunity to get into broadcasting. So the career that I thought I was going to have got put on the back burner. I thought, you know what, I'm going to seize this with both hands and I'm going to see where it goes. And 30 odd years later, I'm st- 
I'm still winging it. Uh, well, I think you're beyond that, but uh, that's really, <laughs> really fascinating. Yeah, I, I ran, uh, I didn't race, but I did love riding uh, dirt bikes back when I was about that age. And yeah, when you go off a dirt bike, uh, it kind of hurts uh, it does. A, a little bit. So I understand that. But getting into cars is very cool. And one of the other things I've learned about you is you were the first female auctioneer at Christie's. That's cool. I was meant to be. So this was what I was supposed to do. My degree was in history of art and architecture, and I worked at Christie's four years through all the way through college. I'd taken a year out, and I had worked there, and I, I was sort of on the sort of track to become an auctioneer there. But as I say, I left university. I'd started racing already. I was doing pretty well in, in sort of classic racing and getting a name for myself in classic racing. And it wasn't until... Uh, one of the main terrestrial broadcasters here in the UK, Channel 4, wanted a female presenter who knew about racing to broadcast their newly commissioned British Formula 3 championship. Oh, wow. So, of course, they're looking around for a, for a presenter, and n- n- there aren't any female presenters at that point who knew about racing. The son of a chap who used to commentate on the classic racing, it was his production company, uh, these two guys had a chat. Neville said to Richard, you should ch- chat to Amanda. She would be great. She, yeah. She'd she be good at this. I did a screen test and I got the job. So I never took up the opportunity at Christie's. My mother was not happy. Uh, <laughs> but I think now she's come around that actually I've done okay. I've forged my own path. And uh, maybe it wasn't such a bad decision after all. Well, I think it's wonderful. I had Jamie Little, who's a fellow female racing commentator on the show just last month. And uh, she talked a lot about the same kind of things that you're talking about. And I think it's great. Uh, you know, the other thing that you've covered sports for BBC, ITV, you mentioned Channel 4, Sky uh, in the UK, yep. Speed, Fox. I mean, you've been all over the place. But this tie back to racing, have you still continued to race over the years? Or was there a point where you decided to hang up the helmet and focus just on what you're doing? That's a hard thing to do, right? That is, It is a hard thing to do. So I was racing classic cars. Uh, loving it. I then started the broadcasting. I then that's where I sort of made the shift into modern racing. So I was doing sort of modern sort of single make saloons, moving up the ranks there, did a bit of TVR Tuscans, moved into British GT. So this is now all modern racing. From British GT, I started doing what was then European Le Mans series. And then I started racing uh, prototypes and I raced at Le Mans in an LMP1 or Oh my gosh. They're different, different classes now. Um, but I did that. Uh, it was at that point, it was after Le Mans in 2008, we had a really bad race. Uh, everything that could go wrong went wrong. It, it, it had really started going wrong two weeks before, but you know, you always live in hope that something's <laughs> going to change and yes. your luck is going, yeah. <laughs> going to alter. And of course, it doesn't. Um, but by this point, I had my two children. And I came home from Le Mans and I'd had this awful race. And I just thought, you know, I have literally sacrificed the last four months of my life to do this. And I've come home and it was for nothing. I, there was nothing. What a waste. I'm never going to have this time with my kids again. Yeah. Um, I, I need to make a choice. So I just, that was my last race uh, for a long time. Now, in the UK, the rules are that you don't need to renew your license you, you can not renew your license for one year, but if you don't renew it the second year, you forfeit your license. Oh. So, of course, I've now got you know a pretty high license. And when my license renewal came through after 18 months, I'm looking at the renewal and I'm thinking, well, 
I don't know. I'm not sure I'm actually ready not to have a competition license. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had one for a long time. Just when you feels- thought they were out, they pull you back yeah. in. <laughs> so I renewed my license that year. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've been racing ever since. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I, I now have a strict rule, though. I race for fun. So I am really I, I it became you know it was very clear to me when i was doing them on when i was racing prototypes what the the, re, the reality of the struggle you know i'm in the car and i'm focused completely on what i'm doing but the moment i got back into the pits i'd be looking at my watch thinking what time is it here what time is it back at home have have the kids been fed yeah. what did they have oh, yeah. tea? have they remembered their swimming bags you know their school bags whatever you know, your mind immediately goes into to mother mode. So, yeah, so I, I decided that I want, you know, I, I am, you know, my kids are growing up now, but I knew that it was not appropriate for me to be racing anymore whilst my mind was in that place. So now I race for fun, but nice cars, nice nice places, lots of historic racing. We go, we have a lot of fun. We go out for a great dinner afterwards and we all go home and we go home smiling. Well, good for you. Yeah, you don't, I've had raised two kids and you don't get that time back ever, ever, ever. And it's just so important. And, and yeah, when you're racing, you got to be focused 100% on racing. Uh, you do. Otherwise, you're a danger, not just to yourself, but to everybody else as well. And um, if you're not committed, then um, yeah, then then that's when accidents happen. There you so, go. Well, you definitely have some fun. Now, this new role that you're going to be taking over for Derek, who's been the master of ceremonies for the last eight years. Boy, he comes from a little bit of a famous family doesn't he um just a bit, <laughs> just a bit yeah and uh, i think i saw a great picture of you with his dad probably at a historic event of some kind but i want to talk a little bit about what this means for you because i've been associated with uh, pebble beach concord for a very long time helping support them i've been to 32 of those events in a row <gasps> yeah so i've been on that lawn many many times it means the world to me it's just the premier event to be invited to be the master of ceremonies for this kind of event that's got to have a great meaning and honor for you, I would guess. Honestly, words really don't do it justice. I I mean, there's there's so much to say. I think what Pebble have done, the whole Concours and the way, the status that it holds, not just in the States, across the world, is immense. You know, they have been, it's, it's the Blue Ribbon event, really, that everybody talks about. So I am so honored. I think what Sandra and her team have done is incredible. Um, the way that every year they keep it fresh, interesting, dynamic. I think what they've done is amazing. So to take over from Derek, as you say, you know, a, a god, a huge family of racers, commentators, it is such an enormous honor. You know, I, I, it was only when I was over in June chatting to the team that I sort of put together that not only am I the first female to do so, but I'm also the first Brit to do so. Yeah, very cool. So really, you know, I love the way this sort of event is embraced and approached. I lo- I think it's tremendous. I mean, I've, I've always thought that the only way we can appreciate, I mean, I'm passionate about the automotive industry, past and present. I love where it's going. I think we're, we're in for a tumultuous time, but I also think it's a time of great change, great innovation, um, and there's a lot to look forward to. But the only way you can really understand it and contextualize the future is by having a good understanding of the past. And so, yeah, being involved with an event like this really is... Uh, you know, it's a golden opportunity for me. It is my dream job. <laughs> well, perfect fit too. Considering your history, it's just it's so ideal. When Sandra told me uh, who was going to be taken over, I went, "What? 
Oh, man, <laughs> you found the perfect fit here. I think it's great. You know, there's some wonderful groups that are going to be on the lawn this year. I'm going to read these off real quick. Uh, Figoni's Centennial, Mercedes-Benz S, SS, and SSK cars, Vanderbilt Cup era race cars. That's got to tickle your fancy. Pegaso. Mm. Uh, Porsche celebrating its 75th anniversary. Do I feel old? Yes. McLaren, <laughs> its 60th anniversary. There's a racing name that comes from your part of the world. A Lamborghini, 60th anniversary. Again, I'm just feeling old. I mean, I remember when these cars were, you know, when I was a little kid, they were running around. Post-war luxury cars and American dream cars of the 1950s. So if we touch on a couple of these real quickly, there's some race car groups in here that have got to get you pretty excited uh, that you're going to be seeing. Maybe pick one or two that we'll start with McLaren. I mean, there's a company out of the UK. Holy Absolutely. cow, 60 years McLaren. How could that be? Isn't it wonderful? And I mean, what I love about what I love is the passion. I love the fact that, you know, when you look at where they started, the enthusiasm, the passion, not just in single seater racing, but, you know, going into sports cars as well and everything that they achieved in Europe and in the States. It's awesome. It's just wonderful. I love how it really pushed the boundaries of what we understood, what we knew. You know, there, there was periods where let's just chuck a wing on it. Let's just make the engine bigger. Nobody really knew. And yet it was just all there for the discovery and the taking. And when you actually look at this sort of in, you know, in a time context, you can really see the thinking and you can really see a lot of the understanding. I think it's brilliant. And then, of course, when you get into some of the pre-war or some of the really old stuff as well, you think, my goodness, these people were giants. You know, we get in a race car today. And you know, I think it's fair to say that, I mean, safety is obviously the primary concern, but we take it for granted how safe we are in the car. And I mean, I had my very worst accident racing a pre-war car as well. So I know that. But, you know, you look at some of these old things now and you think, gosh, you know, they were, you know, we're racing on modern circuits with, you know, medical facilities on hand, Nomex, proper, proper technologically advanced helmets. You know, we've got a lot of the safety kit. These guys are in cloth hats and Pair of leather gloves. You think? Well, these Vanderbilt wow. era race cars that are going to be on display are a, a great example of that. It's hard to understand people racing those. I got to spend a day on a tour at the Ironstone Concours in a 1917 Indy car. And this guy's one of the old time racers. He races these things out at Laguna Seca and other tracks. And driving around in the streets in that thing, uh, I just, I kept thinking, how do these guys race these cars? I feel like I'm going to die at every corner. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're so vulnerable. But the fact they're going to have those cars there on the lawn, I think are pretty darn cool. You know, another great group, obviously Porsche, their 75th anniversary and Porsche racing. Boy, there's another iconic racing name, right? Oh, exactly. Um, I mean, you cannot really get your head around how successful Porsche have been in racing and how they've changed racing. Not and not just racing, how that technology has filtered into road cars um as well. It is phenomenal. And I mean there's one thing making cars that work well, there's another thing making cars that look good as well. <laughs> and they do both. And really Porsche have nailed that one. They the cars are always just beautiful. And having won Le Mans, as you have, Porsche holds, I think they still hold the record for the most Le Mans wins. Most, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's, it's great to see them going strong and, yeah, taking it very seriously. And let's see where they go next. I know. It's incredible. <laughs> I'll tell you, a tie to the Porsche name. Last week, I had Aloy Roof 
as a guest on my show who has built some quite amazing vehicles over time, uh, which was pretty fun. Uh, I've had the, the fortune of visiting his facility in Pfaffenhusen twice now. And uh, it was fun to catch up with him and see where Roof is going into the future. But I want to come back to you. Mm-hmm. I would assume you've been around so many marvelous people in the automotive world. If you could pick one, maybe just for our talk today, that's been a great mentor or inspiration to you, who would it be? I've been thinking about this. And really, quite honestly, I can't think of just one. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. It really is very hard because, I mean, look, I'm very, I'm very pragmatic about my opportunities. You know, I do think I was in the right place at the right time. I think the fact that I happen to know a little bit more than, you know, your, your average man on the street or woman on the street helped. But um, I do think I was very, very lucky. You know, when you talk about mentors, mentors are people that you look up to and you, you know, you, you, you try and learn from their experiences. When I was sort of starting out, there was literally nobody. There were not women in any of the roles. You know, if I, when I first started driving, the jobs within motorsport were, you know, Chucky or a mechanic or an engineer. It wasn't that um, there weren't all the jobs around the edges that we're so used and accustomed to seeing now. So it was really hard to find a mentor who you could actually aspire to. Because there just wasn't anybody. So it's actually really hard to think of a person. I mean, there have been lots of people who have touched, you know, my career and who have been tremendously helpful. I mean, I would say Richard Hay, who who gave me that first job with Channel 4, he is still a very, very dear friend. And, you know, we, we still talk. And I may still ask him for a little bit of advice. He <laughs> understands broadcasting. He understands racing as well and you know Richard if it weren't for for Richard really having the um, courage to give me the job you know I had no broadcasting experience and you know quite honestly no ambition to get into broadcasting either um you know he was really instrumental but I mean I'm one of these people who also I thrive on challenge and the more somebody says to me, you can't do it, <laughs> the more, you the more do it. <laughs> determined I am to prove them wrong. So although I'm now thinking more about the driving, although nobody ever actually said to me bluntly, you can't do it, there were plenty of people who made it clear that they didn't think I should be doing it. And actually, that was more of a motivation, motivation good for you. to me yeah. than actually having somebody who was sort of giving me positive affirmation. Well, I understand that. I think that's cool. You think about it because now women are involved in so many aspects of motorsports in so many different ways. It's just kind of like, okay, so what? Uh, hmm. But yeah, back a long time ago, you just didn't see that. And so no. the fact that Richard and I think it's brilliant. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And all I am a, I mean, I, I do. I struggle a little with some of these championships that are only for women because I know when I was racing, I only ever wanted to race against whoever was the best. I wasn't. I don't want to make make the competition pool smaller. I want to make it as wide as possible. So I struggle with those series and championships from that perspective. Mm-hmm. What I think is really great about them and, and all the movements um, that are happening to get more women into high class motorsport now, it's a really it's a fantastic window. And I do think, you know, social media 
has had a massive impact on that as well. Because, you know, back in the sort of 90s and early thousands when I was really doing it, you know, Instagram, Twitter, these things didn't exist. And you still had photographs. They're not they're not digitized. So, you know, I think I think, you know, the time is right. And I think what's happening now is brilliant. So challenges. I mean, you are involved in racing. Racing is nothing but a challenge. But when you think about maybe it's a combination of racing and or your career, what was the biggest or I shouldn't say what was there was a lot of them, but what either has to be in racing. But what was a big challenge that when you look back now, you say kind of glad I went through that difficult time. It taught me a really valuable lesson. Le Mans. Oh, geez. Yeah, there Le we Mans. go. Let's go um, to the top. My goodness. Yeah. So I'd been broadcasting for Eurosport and that then moved to speed for about seven years in total. So I thought I knew Le Mans pretty well. I, you know, you, when you're down in the pits broadcasting for a 24 hour race, you see it all. You see the highs, the lows, the exhaustion, you know, you do experience it. And part of uh, certainly the early days of that with um, Eurosport, I was there for 24 hours. So I was (laughs) doing it full on for the full duration of the race. It was, I thought I knew it. So I went to Le Mans to race very much misguided about how tough it actually was Mm, to be a a driver. And I think coupled with that was was not just the, the challenges of driving and, and doing everything that you do when you're you're driving there. Um, it was the fact that people were just so confused because they, as I say, most people knew me just as a broadcaster. Nobody really, although I'd been doing some of the races um, in the season leading up to it, there were still lots of teams, you know, the European teams knew me, but the, um, you know, the teams from the States, for example, had no idea. So suddenly they see me as a, as a driver and they're all scratching their head a bit going, mm-hmm. hang on, you know, you're normally there with a microphone. What are you doing? Um, what are you doing with a helmet? Yeah. So it was um, it was incredibly tough. As I said, uh, everything that went wrong could go wrong. Uh, we ended up we ended up, well in the these in these days you had to do um, pre qualifying. So you had to go to Le Mans two weeks before and do ten laps. We went uh, to do our ten laps and it rained biblically. Oh, there no. was so much rain. Oh, wow. uh, you could, literally could not see a thing. And because the grass between the Bugatti and, and the, the big track had only just been cut, um, there, was, there were rivers of grass going across through uh, Porsche curves. Um, so much so you couldn't actually see the edge of the track and the grass. It was just grass. Anyway, I did my 10 laps by following the brake lights of another car. Oh, gosh. So it was a tick box exercise. Yeah. So we get to Le Mans itself for the proper proper weekend. And Wednesday, we blow our, our engine. Uh, I hadn't oh. even got the car. Oh, no. So we, we lose an engine on Wednesday. They then put the race engine that would normally go into the car on Friday. They put that in Thursday morning so that we can go out on Thursday. And we go out on Thursday and basically the same thing happens. We know what the problem is. There is a um, a materials fault in the pistons. Uh. So we knew what the problem was. It meant that in order to qualify for the race itself, I had to do three laps in the dark. So they they sort of cobbled it all together enough for me to go out and do my three laps in the dark. Basically, I get to the start of the race and I have yet to do a fast lap. Oh, my gosh. I have not done a fast lap. So, yeah, so nothing prepared me for how difficult and how challenging emotionally that was actually going to be. I'm so glad I did it. 
I'm yeah, it's the I am the kid who says they want to be an astronaut actually <laughs> getting to the moon. I, that yeah. is me. Um, oh, so wow. I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad I had the experience. It's one I will never forget. But it was a huge challenge and it made me question a lot. And, and I did change my life after that because I I stopped racing and well, anyway, um, and focused on my family. So I don't regret it at all. But it was a it was a challenge and it gave me a, a very much greater perspective on endurance racing and just how tough it can be yeah makes you wonder i, I had uh, mr lamar on this show tom christensen how on earth has he done what he's done at that race oh, i mean well magic it is magic it's it's all it's all the right ingredients as, as i'm sure tom says it's yeah. not just one thing it is having every single piece of that that pie yeah, all in perfect yeah. and it all has to be perfect and it all has to come together and lamar can you know, you can have a great package and Le Mans can throw you a curveball. Um, it does. Every time. And it does, Every exactly. Time. So does. when we talk about one special vehicle in your life, this could be a race car you ran or a street car, it doesn't really matter. Is there one special vehicle that really stands out in your life as you look back to all these rides you've had? Um, well, there's, there's a... Yeah, I was thinking about this as well. I mean, my... F- <sighs> <laughs> I, I, it's hard because I can't differentiate between a road car and a race car. Mm. And so I end up having two. That's okay. I'll let you have two. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, my race car is a sort of late 90s. I think it's an 89 C2 Spice mm. that I raced. When did I race that? I must have been sort of late, like 2010, late 2000s. Yeah, 2010-ish. You know, it's got a little Cosworth engine just a dream i think that car was perfect i mean i can't i can't i mean obviously i love i love endurance racing that really is very much where my heart lies i love the fact that it's a team effort you have to work together i love the fact that there are the the challenges of of you know lifing your components lifing your engine and the strategy that's involved and the fact that the driver's and the rest of the team, you know, pit stops, it all has to work. You've, you've got to work together. So as I say, racing this little um, C2 car was just brilliant. I loved it. I loved the fact you could throw it around like a golf, uh, like a go-kart, um, but it also was sort of, you know, pretty punchy. And that was without doubt my favorite. I would grin. I just grinned <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I drove that car. Yeah, absolutely loved it. And I was thinking my road car, that's a, a real challenge. But it has to be having the opportunity to drive uh, a genuine GT40 on the mm. road. Oh, my goodness. Uh, which was, a, a you know, again, an enormous privilege. Um, it's another Le Mans car. Um, funny, there's a theme going here, actually. Kind of, sort of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just an absolutely brilliant car. Oh, my gosh. That's sweet. Wow. Two wonderful cars. Loved watching those uh, Spice cars run. Uh, mm. Yeah, they just look like so much fun. So I'm a bit of a car psychologist. I have a special degree. Mm-hmm. I, I made it myself. So don't tell anybody. Yeah, made it for myself. Hangs on the wall here. Looks very <laughs> official, though. I'm very good at the uh, Photoshop thing. <laughs> I'm going to crawl into your head here. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, as a vehicle, what would you be and why? I would be something that's really stubborn. Um, <laughs> as I said, I'm, I'm, you know, the more you tell me I can't, I will. Yeah. Or at least I will try. So, yeah, I'm, oh, I mean, it has to be, it, it has to be a sports car, an endurance car. And it has to be, I mean, it has to be the car that, 
has been crashed a few times but still finishes the race. Oh, okay. I got you. Again, I don't know what particular car I would be. Um, but I'm the one that is sort of tenacious and, and doesn't give up. Thomas the train. Yeah, that doesn't give up. Yeah, I think I can. I think I can. Yeah. Okay. Answer question. I mean, in terms of a specific car, oh, I don't know. Depends what mood I'm in. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of yeah, take the, yeah, I'm going to take the female prerogative here and say it depends on my mood. But I'm definitely the tenacious one that doesn't doesn't give up and keeps on running, even though you think all hope is lost. Well, there you go, ma'am. I'll let you do whatever you want. I haven't made stayed married 39 <laughs> years for for any reason. Than that. Yeah, happy happy wife, happy life, happy racer, there we go. happy yeah. happy uh, happy cars. Yeah, I guess so. There you go. <laughs> Is there a great book? I mean, with all the travel you've done, uh, perhaps you enjoy reading books. Is there a great book you might share with our listeners? Well, there is. And in actual fact, I've just um, finished reading this. It kind of goes back to my point about women in motorsport as well. It's a book by a guy called uh, Michael Barton, and it's called Fast Lady. And it's about a lady called Dorothy Levitt, mm. who was racing cars at the turn of the century. So she was like early 1900s. And she was a real trailblazer. And I thought, I thought her story was so interesting and actually desperately sad as well because she started racing, as I say, the sort of early 1900s. And she was very much a darling of the, the press. They loved her. She had um, sort of magazine articles and she wrote, she wrote sort of articles about um, what women should wear when they're racing and driving cars. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, it was she was really sort of crossing that um, boundary, if you like, between women who at that time were very much uh, probably a lot weren't even told they shouldn't be driving cars, much less racing. Yeah, she was. And so she was um, she was this sort of real pioneer woman who was loved by the media while she was racing. But when she stopped, everything changed and her fortunes totally changed. And suddenly this pioneer, this strong, independent fearless woman was seen as a little bit of a pariah a bit of a you know I don't, we don't know how to handle her now now that she's not racing she's a little bit too hot to handle so it was a really interesting story um about how she met her demise and and how she ended up dying very very sad but um you know, as I was saying, I'm really, you know, there are so many platforms now about women in motorsport and in the motor industry generally and people promoting this and which I am fully, fully behind. But I think it's really important that we remember that there were people a long time. You know, I'm a dinosaur in many respects, <laughs> but, you know, there, there, there are people way before me who were doing this and um, who were the real trailblazers, brave, independent women and um you know that they definitely laid the groundwork for a lot of what we see today yeah she was fascinating i mean she also raced boats she raced airplanes that's right she was an author yeah you know and you think about some some of the great women in motorsports i had the late great denise mccluggage as a guest on my show a long time ago actually right before we lost her and she kind of was another one of those from the 50s that was kind of bucking all the trends and racing cars and then became a a journalist and yeah, um, made it happen. So uh, it's a great book. Um, I'm glad you recommended that. I don't know that anyone's ever recommended it. So that could be a new one here on Cars Yow. Remind our listeners that we have a great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books. There's over 3,000 books listed there. 
by my inspiring automotive enthusiasts with a quick, easy click to buy. So check out Fast Lady about Dorothy Levitt. I love it. So before I let you go today, I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. This is kind Mm -hmm. of fun. I'm going to buy you any car in the world, park it in your driveway. You can take it on a drive anywhere. My cost, I'll pay for everything. And you can take anyone with you, including somebody who's no longer with us. I can magically bring somebody from the past back into the current day. So what does the ultimate drive look like for a lady who's been on many ultimate drives and racetracks? I would like to have a, well, I mean, it's very fitting, obviously, because it's their 60th anniversary, and we will be marking this um, at Pebble Beach, but I will take a Lamborghini Miura SV, please. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, in orange, absolutely. Love it. It has to be. And I think I would like to take <sighs> Peter Collins. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think I'd take Peter Collins. Um, interesting uh, gentleman racer, wonderful story. And I don't think I know enough about him. So I reckon we could go on a road trip and I could ask him a lot of questions. Yeah. And that would be interesting. I would learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Peter Collins. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. But you think about Peter. I mean, he raced uh, Ferraris, I believe. He mm-hmm. raced all sorts of different cars back in the day. Yeah, he was uh, racing back in the probably, let's see, I think he was born in 30 or something like that. That's so- right. Yes, he's like 50s. And I think, um, I mean, to me, he's the... Um, Sort of James Hunt before James Hunt. Oh, okay. That's an interesting, yeah, okay. I can see that. Yeah, he sadly, he died in the German Grand Prix, I believe. Uh, actually, the year I was born, 58. So, yeah. Um, okay, that's cool. I don't think anyone's ever... I think ever we'd s- have a long, we'd have a lot to talk about. I think so. Yeah, that's very cool. And well, can we go to Lake Garda, please? Anywhere you want. Just um, yeah. give you my credit card, you know, <laughs> just spend away, you know. <laughs> No problems. Well, you have taken us on a wonderful ride. And well, what an awesome choice Pebble Beach has made to have you be uh, their new speaker, if you will. Uh, I think it's going to be fantastic. You're going to have so much fun. Before I let you go, though, could you share maybe some words of inspiration, a mantra or success quote? Tomorrow belongs to no one. I love it. That sounds very British. Does it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. You know, it's kind of well. one of those Churchillian comments. Tomorrow belongs yeah. to no one. So seize the day. Carpe diem. Absolutely. There we go. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, is there a way for people to follow you? Do you have a presence online where people can? I do. Okay. I do. You can follow me on Instagram. Um, most active there. Um, so, yeah. And I'd love to hear from people. And I'd really love to hear about what they think about uh, New Look Pebble with a English lady at the helm. I think they're going to be very happy. Uh, this is going to be awesome. And I can't wait to see you on the lawn. Uh, and appreciate the, uh, the the folks at Pebble Beach for bringing you onto the show. Candace and Sandra and all the team there, they just do an incredible job of uh, not, only, not only putting together probably, well, the most amazing Concours event, but everything that surrounds it is just so spectacular. So thank you, ladies. Until you and I talk again, Amanda, thanks for spending some time with me today. I'll see you on the lawn at Pebble Beach. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Did you know that less than 3% of all automotive technicians in the U.S. are women? You may not be surprised, but you should be concerned because our country is facing a massive technician shortage right now. 
Skilled, qualified techs are in high demand, and we need young men and women to consider these viable career paths. Cars yeah knows that women make great techs. I've interviewed a lot of them, so we support the nonprofit Tech Force Foundation and its Women Tech Rocks initiative to ensure women see themselves in this profession, the industry, and the workforce. Learn more at techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.